Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Mobile Studio at the Wisconsin State Fair, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. With all due respect, I reject your theory completely. But you know what? There needs to be some backlash to this. This would be disastrous. There really has to be a better way. And I think the biggest question here is, what the hell is going on? The Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Move for president. Get in the race. Will he run? And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. All good things have to come to an end. This is my final broadcast from the 2019 edition of the Wisconsin State Fair. I've been here every weekday of the fair. And again, we have a very nice and a very attractive crowd out there. Give yourselves a round of applause there. Okay, we always do that because, again, we just want to send the message. Some people, as I always say, they don't believe that we landed on the moon. And some people say, oh, you guys aren't really broadcasting from the fair. No, we really are broadcasting from the fair. It is a wonderful day, as Brian Goddard was just saying, low humidity. And it looks like the weather is going to be absolutely outstanding for the last couple days of the fair. So come on out and say hello. All right. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about on today's show, including some, I think, some interesting and some fun stuff as we move through it. I always try to do the shows a little bit differently on Friday, but I know there is one issue that everybody is talking about, and I really wasn't tuned into it, I confess, until this morning. All right, as, as I was saying on the program yesterday, my, my weekend, as soon as I get done here with the, at the fair, I have to get in my car and drive, pick up my wife, and then we are heading up to Seymour, Wisconsin this evening. Seymour, Wisconsin is outside of Green Bay. It is the self-proclaimed home of the hamburger. And every year they have Hamburger Fest, where they cook a 300-pound hamburger, and they have something called the bun run and the mustard slide or ketchup slide, where, I don't know, it's kind of like a slip and slide that they put condiments on and you slide on it. Um, my stepdaughter, her her husband, Darren, he and his fa- he's from Seymour, and his family has been very active in Hamburger Fest over the years. We have never been. My wife is retired, so now, okay, we're going up there, so we're going up to Seymour this evening. We're staying overnight in Green Bay, and then you know, coming back uh, late tomorrow after we enjoy everything. There's apparently hot air balloon rides. I've never been on a hot air balloon, and my wife desperately wants to go, so maybe this will be the year. If that happens, I'll, I'll send it out on our Twitter thing. It's Jeff Wagner. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. Well, okay, so yesterday, because we're going out of town, yesterday after work, I had to take my, my dog. We can't take our dog with us, so I had to take the dog up to West Bend because the lady who watches, my friend Pat, who watches Sasha, um, she works during the day, so had to drop Sasha off last night. We'll pick her up on Saturday. So I was out and about, and then we stopped off and saw some friends in West Bend. I'm driving around, and I'm listening to the Packers game. Now, my plan was to get back home in time to watch the Packers game, but that didn't work out. So I am doing what actually all Packer fans really should do. I, I'm listening to the game on the radio, and I'm hearing Wayne and Larry's call. I, and I really couldn't tell this what exactly was going on, but as I am listening to the game... I am repeatedly hearing this noise. Jordan, would you play that, please? Okay, now everybody at the fair heard that too. And and I admit I am driving around listening to this kind of in the background on the radio, and my thought is 
pardon my French, but what the hell is this noise? I'm thinking there's literally something wrong with my radio because I, 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 I had no clue. I mean, I came in in the middle of the game, and I'm hearing this noise going, what is this? And is there, I, I'm thinking, is there something wrong with our radio feed? Is there, you know, what what exactly is going on here? And, and I okay, so I, I don't think much of it other than, okay, there must have been something wrong with the broadcast or an engineering problem or whatever, and we'll work it out in time for the next game. Well, lo and behold, um, this morning, as I'm getting ready for the show, I see the controversy that has developed. And no, that wasn't anything wrong with the Packers radio network and the feed. That was intentional. If you haven't seen this story, that noise is the idea of the, the Packers organization and the head coach. And the idea, that noise that you hear, that's that's what the the horn, like the foghorn from the USS Green Bay, sounds like. And what the Packers have decided to do in an effort to try to increase interest and, and, and increase their home field advantage and get the crowd all revved up is they're going to play that foghorn before third down plays. Now, I, I don't know about you. I've gone to a lot of Packers games. I, I don't know what's wrong with Go Pack Go, but they've decided Go Pack Go isn't enough. They want to play this foghorn. All right. Now, I guess now that I've, I've thought about this this morning, first of all, here is if you have followed the Vikings, the Vikings have that annoying guy that has that big horn that they play all the time. Now, here here's that noise. <laughs> Okay, now Jordan back in the studio. Okay, that's the Vikings noise. Can we can we reset? This is the the Packers foghorn that they were playing last night. <laughs> okay. Now, first of all, that Vikings horn I just find is annoying as heck, okay? And and I'm not sure that we'd want to emulate that. Secondly, if just if you took the Vikings and the Packers out of it and you asked me, all right, if you had to have one, which is going to sound better? It pains me to say, but I think the Vikings horn, even though I hate it, I, and I think it's incredibly annoying, I think it's a lot cooler than that, that fog horn. Third, I've been to a lot of games at Lambeau Field, and, and I don't know, I guess it's never occurred to me that the fans need any sort of motivation to get up and cheer close plays. And fourth, and perhaps most importantly, with all due respect to the new coach and with all due respect to the Packers organization, how can I say this? That foghorn sucks. Four one four yeah four one four seven nine nine one six twenty and and for what it's worth, I'm getting a bunch of thumbs up here from our crowd at, at State Fair. All right, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. As I said at the start of this, I mean if if you think we gotta artificially get the Packers fans jazzed up to get the, the offense rolling or the defense rolling. Okay, I get it. My suggestion would be, what's wrong with Go Pack Go? But, all right, putting that aside, putting that aside, if you don't want Go Pack Go, with all due respect, that foghorn is absolutely awful. It's a, It seems like it's a, a rip-off, like a poor man's Minnesota Viking thing. So it strikes me as a rip-off of the Viking thing. But, you know, it, it sounds like it's a weather warning, not something to inspire the team. All right, let's open up the phone lines. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I appreciate efforts to try to get the fans involved. I'm just saying I think that foghorn... 
Well, I, I lump it in the same category as the people who wanted to rename the Marquette basketball team uh, the gold, remember that, or the people that came up with the idea for New Coke. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. But I understand, maybe I'm missing something here. All right, what did you think of the foghorn to inspire the Packers? And I guess the other question is, if you're at Lambeau Field or you're watching the game on television or you're listening to the game on the radio, is that what you want to hear Every third down during the season, we're back to take your calls in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. 414-799-1620. That's the number. This is Jeff Wagner. WTMJ, we're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. Broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. So glad to have you with us. All right. Before we go to the calls, a couple texts. Jeff, my husband and I were at the game. The foghorn was irritating and annoying. There has to be something better. Jeff, I agree. The foghorn sucks. Don't come in and try to change things just because you're new. If it isn't broken, don't fix it. That's Emmy from Waukesha. Jeff, it sounds like an Australian animal. How annoying. That's Heather in West Bend. Uh, let's see. Here's uh, instead of the foghorn, use a cowbell. Well, I, again, I, I don't... No. Okay, let's see. Um, Nathan says, the horn will inspire the offense. It's so annoying, the offense will always get a first down on first or second down in order to avoid hearing it. Well, there could be that. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Bill in Silver Lake. Bill, you're first on WTMJ. Hello. Hello, Jeff. I'm a long-time fan, long-time Packers fan. Love your show. Okay, thanks. Thank you for calling. I appreciate it. What do you think? Um, I tell you what, I heard that. I heard that stupid foghorn, and I thought my TV was broken. But luckily, <laughs> so, you told so me about it, so I don't have to. I don't have to buy a new one. <laughs> yeah. So you were getting ready to get up and like, like, like bang the TV and think I got to call the repair person. Something's wrong. What's well, that I noise was, coming out of the TV I was, set? I was running the DVD back and going, "What the heck is this stupid noise coming out of here?" <laughs> I tell you what. Yeah, it's, the best noise. The best noise in that stadium is when the Packer fans get going. And I think that's the noise that the team wants to hear. That's the noise that everybody wants to hear. And that's the noise that they should be looking for. Yeah, hey, Bill, thanks for the call. Yeah, thanks for the call. An artificial thing that's a ripoff of the Vikings' horn. And and it's actually, it's a lousy ripoff of that. And I guess I go back to the thing. Now, look, I'm always open to trying new stuff. And I appreciate if if the new head coach thinks the crowd at Lambeau Field is unnecessarily quiet. But again, what whatever happened to Go Pack Go? I mean, I've been there and I hear the people like Go Pack Go. That, I think, is a lot better than this this horn. Uh, let's talk to Pat in Beloit. Pat, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Yeah, I agree with you 100%, Jeff. You're spot on with it. Uh, go Pack Go. The horn was so annoying, I left in the middle of the fourth quarter. Uh, I, I couldn't take it anymore. It was very annoying. I've been going to games since uh, I'm a Gold Package member, going back to the county stadium days. So I've heard a lot. I've not heard anything like this before. Did you know what it? I mean, did you know what it was at first? I mean, did you know that they were supposed to like inspire the crowd? No, I didn't think it did that. I didn't. I I knew it was some type of a horn from a ship or something, but I didn't know what really was relevant uh, to the past. Right. Yeah, I mean, look, and, and I understand. Like, you go to um, you go to Brewers games. I don't know if they still do it. I don't think they still do it. But there used to be a time where you know they, they'd have the the charge music, you know, da da da, whatever charge, and everybody would yell that. I mean, that was kind of inspirational. The foghorn, 
I, I don't know. A number of people are saying it sounds like a large ship passing gas or something. I don't know about that, but it doesn't strike me as exactly the thing that's going to get people on their feet cheering and, re- and cheering on the team. Yeah, I'm, I'm just waiting for somebody to call in and say Trump had something to do with this, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to blame Trump for that Packers decision. Okay, thanks for the call. Absolutely. We, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to blame Trump. Um, Pam in Sheboygan. Pam, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi there. Um, Hi, Pam. I was at the game last night, and I will tell you, everyone around me hated that sound. (laughs) And to me, it seems like we're trying to copy the Vikings or something, which we do not want to do. And it didn't even sound like a fuck horn, actually. And I also noticed that the entire game, I only heard Go Pack Go that was inspired by the sound crew or whoever it is. And that's what the fans want to do, and I think the players get inspired from the fans chanting, and yeah. and that's what yeah. makes it fun as a fan. But just hearing this annoying noise, everybody around me just hated it. Right. Yeah. I, you know, and I, I guess I mean, now, look, I understand that sometimes we, we, we all we have a reaction to new stuff. And sometimes you sit and you say, OK, well, maybe if I hear this more, maybe it's going to grow on me. I don't think that one's going to grow on me and I don't think it's going to grow on Packer Nation. I, I, I kind of think that that that's sort of I would describe it as kind of a swing and a miss. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was not well yeah. received. Okay, thanks to call Pam. I, again, and I, look, and I, I mean, I appreciate him trying to, to try different stuff, but it seems to me the standard should be, okay, if our typical thing to rev up the crowd is, you know, when the, when the scoreboard says, make some noise, and then go, pack, go, go, pack, go. Okay, if that's the standard, and if the new coach doesn't think that gets the crowd jazzed up enough, all right, I, I'm, okay, maybe you want to try different things, but again, that that foghorn, I mean, or the 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 noise, the the horn on the USS Green Bay makes. I mean, I understand, I understand it's topical. It's, it's the USS Green Bay, but uh, all right, um, there's all sorts of noises that you could probably tie into, you know, Green Bay that isn't necessarily the type of thing you're going to play to inspire the team you know, for third downs. You know, can we go out to a dairy farm and get a cow mooing? Would you do that? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Dave on the east side. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, how are you? I am well, thank you. Okay, were you motivated by that? No, I heard it on TV. I thought it was atrocious. You, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. It is right up there. And I'm a Marquette fan as well as I know you are. With them coming up, sitting in a room and coming up with the gold 15 or 20 years ago. Absolutely <laughs> atrocious on three levels. It's a ripoff of the Vikings. It sounds right. terrible and dumb. So it's the USS Green Bay. If it was the USS John McCain, does it, what, what's the difference? I mean, I mean it's a foghorn. It has nothing whatsoever to do with Green Bay or the Packers or football. And if anything, it's like flattens out the crowd. It sounds like flatulence. And, and the worst right, part yeah. about it for me is it does. It's like, like putting something <laughs> yeah. where someone got hit with a dart with an arrow, right. you know. And if you're right, at least coach, the Vikings. Yeah. Yeah, at least the the Vikings noise, that Viking horn, it, it, at least you can understand where people, as, as annoying as I find it, where people, it would get people up and cheer. This is just foghorn. Uh, okay, what are you right. supposed and, to do? There's a, direct, there's a direct connection to the Vikings with that horn. I mean, it, it annoys me as a Packer fan, but there's a direct connection. The worst thing, though, is you have a new coach who's been here about two minutes, who hasn't done anything, and he's basically criticizing the fans about are we cheering enough? Are we loud enough? Are we riled up enough? Hey, 
that's a little too early to criticize the fans when you haven't done anything. You want you want the fans? Yeah. To well, Here, here's how you do it: win games. <laughs> yeah, I know. I actually, you know, I agree with I agree with you completely. Now, thank thanks for the call. And actually, that was that's what I was kind of thinking. I mean, look, I, I've been to Lambeau Field, and and yes, there are times when I think the crowd's been unnecessarily quiet. But generally speaking, those are times where the Packers team is is not playing well and they're playing flat you know when, when you have the the team that's achieving on the field it's a very loud place um the, the coaches this is the coach's statement hey i just want anything that's going to get the fans out of their seats and make it a true home field advantage huh remember remember where you know all all those years nobody wanted to play at lambeau field against the packers because of that okay so here's what he says hey i just want anything that's going to get fans out of their seat and make it a true home field advantage i don't care what it is if you've got an idea we'll take it my idea would be go pack go it's something we've all been talking about how do we get this to be a tremendous home field advantage and get the crowd off their feet and just make it a nightmare for opposing offenses you know and, and then he goes on to talk about the way it is in other statements um in other stadiums you know i think the bottom line is maybe i agree with the last caller win a bunch of games and then you see you're not going to need artificial means to get the fans excited at lambeau field play crummy football and all the foghorns in the world aren't going to make any difference but if for any of you who like me were listening to your radio or watching this on tv and you were wondering you know what is this bleating noise that's going on there well no it wasn't anything wrong with your radio there wasn't anything wrong with your television set it was the packers coach and the marketing people thinking that the fans at lambeau field aren't into the games enough and need to have a poor person's rip-off of the Minnesota Vikings noise in order to get excited. I, I don't think we're giving Packers fans enough credit. This is Jeff Wagner. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. Stick around. We're back. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. Everybody give yourselves a hand there. Let people in Radio Land hear you. That's right. We, we, we were out... Um, I was out during the break, and there was a guy back here who was um, listens to us every day from McHenry, Illinois. He had a um, he had a Bears shirt on, and he wanted to have a picture taken with me. And so I, I God knows where that's going to end up. But yes, we we posed together there, gentleman here who's rocking an old school Brewer shirt there with the ball and glove. I mean, that's I have a I have a polo shirt like that, you know, with the ball and the glove. To me, I know they've got all these different logos that they keep coming out with. I'm a traditionalist. I love. I love the ball and the glove one. That is my absolute favorite. And as a matter of fact, that's some, I, as I say, we're going up to Hamburger Fest in Seymour tomorrow. And I was packing a Brewer shirt to wear, you know, to the event tomorrow. And I, I have a bunch of Brewer shirts. And the one I chose was the one that had the ball and the glove. Because if you're going to do this, you got to go old school. All right. Tom Barrett, the mayor of Milwaukee, Trolley Tom, he's got his hand out again. He is complaining that the city of Milwaukee is being ripped off. No, 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 not by the tens of millions of dollars to build the trolley. No, 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 that's not it. He has decided to set his sights on Summerfest. Now, I I love the Wisconsin State Fair. I also love Summerfest. They are, to me, different experiences. And I, but I mean, I understand that there's some overlap. It's not like the people who go to Summerfest don't go to State Fair and vice versa. But I, I understand there's people, and you can have this ongoing debate. Do you like the State Fair better than you like Summerfest? Summerfest, I think, is 
the world one of the world's premier music festivals and the Wisconsin State Fair. I, I think you know Kathleen O'Leary and the folks at the fair. They do fairs incredibly well. So here's the deal: Summerfest has been incredibly successful over the years. Summerfest brings a ton of people into Milwaukee. Summerfest is a major attraction. When you go out to promote the city of Milwaukee across the country and across the world, one of the things you sh- they do is they focus on Summerfest. Look at this great activity that we've got in this great venue that's there. Given the fact that Summerfest does all it does for the city and for the area, I know there's a lot of people who just find it astounding that Summerfest has to pay rent to the city of Milwaukee for using those grounds. Because, I mean, Summerfest is kind of this this quasi sort of public operation. But under the terms of its lease, this is a lease that they signed back in about 2009, Summerfest shells out about one point on average. It it depends year to year. But on average, Summerfest shells out about $1.8 million every year to, to the city of Milwaukee. Okay, $1.8 million. It generates a ton of revenue. Now, as part of that, as part of that payment, Milwaukee, the city of Milwaukee provides security. You know, so that you have a police presence there. You have the cops that are there. They make the arrest. They make sure that there's, you know, no nobody gets in with guns. There's no problems at all. It, it's, again, it's a it's a wonderful event for the area, particularly the city, and Summerfest pays one point eight million dollars. All right. So where does Tom Barrett come in? Well, Tom Barrett is whining, and that's the only way I can say this: that Summerfest is ripping off the city of Milwaukee, and he says he's ripping off the city of Milwaukee because it costs the city of Milwaukee about eight hundred thousand dollars to have the Milwaukee Police Department go down and provide security for Summerfest. So he says, well, it's costing us $800,000, and, and that's, you know, that's, that's money. Summerfest should pay more. Now, Summerfest, let's just put this out there. Summerfest isn't going to pay more because Summerfest has a lease that runs through 2030. And, you know, Tom Barrett can say, gee, I, I want more money, et cetera, et cetera, to which you say, well, that, that's wonderful, Tom, but, you know, there's this lease that go, that's, that runs for at least another 10 or 11 years, and the lease spells out what our obligations are. And, you know, we're, given the fact that we're already paying you $1.8 million, uh, you know, you can – you know, maybe when the lease comes up, you know, you're not going to be the mayor then, but somebody can decide how what the value of Summerfest is. So Summerfest isn't going to pay anymore. But but I love the way the mayor is presenting this. He says, well, we're getting ripped off because it's costing us $800,000 in police to provide security and overtime costs and all that. To which Summerfest says, well, okay, yeah, yeah you got to pay this, but but we're we're paying you 1.8 million. You know, we're paying you 1.8 million dollars, and that should be enough to provide, you know, for for the police and still have a bunch left over. Um, Barrett, he's not buying that. He says, look, Milwaukee World Festival is renting what is likely the most valuable property in the state. So, um, you know, rent would be expected for a prime location. So I think it's fair that they pay rent. Now, of course, this is the same city of Milwaukee and Milwaukee County that essentially gave away First of all, Milwaukee County built that bus depot on prime near lakefront facility, real estate, and then 
literally gave it away, sold it way below market value to a developer on the promise that they're going to build this this Couture Hotel that appears to be going nowhere. So, I mean, when it's coming, and I understand that was the county that made that decision. So, you know, when... When you're dealing with either Chris Abley or Tom Barrett, I'm not sure they should be lecturing any of us, given some of the deals that they have made, some deals which haven't worked out that well. I don't know that they should be lecturing any of us about, you know, how, how to maximize income from, you know, prime lakefront or near lakefront areas. But the bottom line is Barrett says, well, of course they should be paying rent. And, and yes, um, it, it's $1.8 million, but we're shelling out $800,000 for the police, and, and they should be paying more. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. So Tom Barrett says, bad deal. I want Summerfest to pay me another $800,000 or $600,000 or whatever to, you know, pay the full boat for the police that are down there when Summerfest is in operation. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. When I hear the mayor say things like this, and I understand that the way that the, the news media grabbed on this is that completely... They completely guppied on this. I mean, you know, it's kind of like, oh, Tom Barrett said this, so you know, we can't critically analyze anything he says. Headline in one paper I'm looking at, Milwaukee losing as Summerfest safety costs grow quickly. One of the TV stations, um, Summerfest security racks up $800,000 bill, and the taxpayers will likely be paying for it. Well, okay, Summerfest pays $1.8 million for the right to stage it and bring all this other stuff in. All right. Are the taxpayers, is the city of Milwaukee being ripped off or is this just a blatant, a blatant effort by Tom Barrett to try to, I don't know, get more money, shame Summerfest or whatever? Does Barrett seriously think that Milwaukee would be better? Would, would the city of Milwaukee be better if you just closed down Summerfest so you didn't have to worry about the $800,000 security costs so Milwaukee didn't get the $1.8 million a year on its lease? Would, would that really make it better? Is that what Tom Barrett really wants? 414-799-1620. And candidly, given Barrett's track record with spending money and given Chris Abley's track record for spending money, you know, what, what do you think that they'd do if they didn't have Summerfest down there, give that land to some developer um, for way below market value and watch that developer not be able to do anything for it with it so it stands as an empty hole? 414-799-1620. Kent, who is on a car phone. Kent, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Oh, hey there, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Ken. Sure. I guess my first my first reaction was just, it's funny how he has great math looking at Summerfest, but he doesn't evaluate a streetcar quite the same way, does he? <laughs> well, 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 right. That right. Yeah. You, yes, you have something that we all know works. You know, depending on the year, you have somewhere between seven hundred to eight hundred and fifty thousand people who get into Summerfest. They spend millions of dollars, not just at Summerfest, but in the community. It is a success. And Barrett is whining about, well, you know, we have to pay police costs out of the one point eight million dollars Summerfest pays us. Wouldn't you like to see as much concern for taxpayers? about that super trolley of his? I would love to. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, no, no right, right. Th- thanks for the call. No, it's exactly okay. We've got this trolley. Thanks a lot for the call. We've got this trolley that, um, well, it, we we can't charge people any money to ride it because if we do, nobody's going to ride it. But yet, I want to figure out a way to get tens of millions of dollars more so we can expand this thing. Okay, Barrett's worried about tens of millions of dollars on, on that for something we don't know. Maybe it'll end up working, but we don't know that. But here you have something that you know is going to work. You know it's working well. And by the way, is paying for itself. Okay, it's paying $1.8 million. So, I mean, it's all depending on how you look at it. If security is $800,000, fine. Take $800,000 out of the $1.8 million and give it to you know the, the cops. Use that as dedicated funding. It's not like Summerfest isn't paying for itself. And if Tom Barrett has some other way to get more money out of the lakefront, I'd love to have him lay out that idea because all I know is his idea for what he did with the couture, and again, I understand the county's involved in that too, that doesn't appear to be working out very well. And as a matter of fact, if you stick around a couple minutes, I'll tell you something else that Tom Barrett is about to do with millions of dollars of taxpayer money that candidly is going to be a complete and total waste and it takes a lot of damn guts to complain about Summerfest not paying its way and its fair share for security when you see what the city of Milwaukee wants to do with five million dollars more of taxpayer dollars. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. And for people watching us, that troublemaker there was our program director who just decides, you know, comes out the last day I'm here at the fair and decides, okay, here, we're, we're going to, like, stir up the pot. All right, so I I, I just, I got to laugh because Tom Barrett, you, okay, let's, let, can we all agree that Summerfest is something that works? It's worked for 50 years here, and I understand some years the attendance is up, some years it's down. But if you look at what's going on on the grounds, if you look at how much money this brings in the community, Summerfest works. And now you have the mayor throwing this hissy fit over, well, I, you know, they only pay me $1.8 million, and security costs 800000 I think they should pay more. Well, they're not going to pay more. There, there's a lease. And so I, what, what Barrett's purpose to this, I, I don't know. But I think he sounds... Sounds foolish, but all right. Let, let's say he's trying to be a good steward of the taxpayers' money. Let's let's forget about Tom's trolley folly. Here's something else. When we first, when I was a kid, we first moved to Milwaukee. The biggest Sears store used to be on North Avenue. Huge Sears store that, that serviced all the the other Sears stores. And you know that's where you would go if you wanted something you couldn't find at any of those Sears stores. Well, that building's been it's been various things, and now it's still there, but it, it's a shell of its former self. And I, I think it might be vacant now. So you've got a developer who has come in, and and they want to. They want to build a boutique hotel at the location of that North Avenue Sears store. Now, I wish them all the best in the world. Um, that's not necessarily the location that you would anticipate is going to be successful for a high-end boutique hotel, but but who knows? But but that's fine. If you can make it work, you can make it work. But here's the problem. The developer can't make it work through conventional financing. Now, the city of Milwaukee does this study, and they estimate that the value of of the if you're able to turn this into a, a hotel the value of the project would be 3.6 million dollars okay so so follow me here 3.6 million all right that's the value if you're able to make it work the city in its infinite wisdom decides it's going to loan the developer 4 million dollars for a property that's going to be worth 3.6 million 
All right, where do I go to get that kind of deal? Can, can you imagine going to a bank and saying, I want to build a house. Uh, the house is going to be worth $300,000, but give me 500000 You would get laughed out of the bank. And, and obviously, uh, this developer was probably laughed out of banks himself. So, goes to the city. The city wants to have something developed here. They fall in love with this idea, high-end hotel. So they commit to $4 million for a property that's only going to be worth three and a half. It gets worse. So the developer comes out, and apparently they do another study. They do a market study, and they say, hey, you know, th- th- this $3.5 million, well, we've, we've changed this, and we have this new study that says, actually, this property is going to be worth $10.6 million. Okay, that, that's, that's great. I don't believe it, but okay, that, that's great. Then you make sure that that city's $4 million investment, that they'll probably have a chance to get it back. Uh-uh, that's not what they do. So the developer has this new study saying it's actually worth 10 plus million. So the city says, I tell you what we're going to do. Oh, based on this, let's give this guy another 5 million. So let's put 9 million dollars into this property that's probably really only worth about 3. But now they've got this new study, we've got this voodoo economic thing going here. So let's give them another 5 million. So the taxpayers are getting ready to sink 9 million dollars. 9 million into a property that let's face it is probably never, ever, ever going to be worth anything close to that. So, you know, Tom Barrett might try to be trying to play himself off as I'm the, the, the steward, I'm a great steward of money because I want Summerfest, despite what the lease says, to pay more for their security. But instead, now we're going to turn around and give $9 million to a developer to build this boutique hotel on North Avenue that if, if it's worth $10 million, um, well, I, I guess people should be prepared to eat their hats. But yet that's how we're throwing money around. My response would be, hey, if this deal is so great, if it's really going to be worth $10 million, all right, go to a conventional financing, go to a bank, have them lend you the money. But of course, they won't because all the banks know that there's no way that they're ever going to get their loan money back. Welcome to Tom Barrett's Milwaukee. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Mobile Studio at the Wisconsin State Fair, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. This lady just just made my day. This lovely young lady just walks up and through the glass says, "I love you." Well, I love you too, ma'am, and thank you very much for listening. Is that your, is that your sister next to you there? <laughs> it is. Oh, sister's out at the state fair. Okay, absolutely. There was a lady out here the other day, and, and actually it was so cute because she was there with her daughter. And of course, I'm kind of kidding. Are you two sisters? And no, we're mother and daughter. But but the daughter who was probably about 15, you know, came came over and she was saying that, that she calls into the show all the time and she's a big listener. And her mom got her turned on to the program, but it, it's like the 15-year-old daughter that just, just, just loves the show. And I'm thinking, oh, that's great. That's what I love about the fair. It gives us an opportunity to go out and say hi to people. All right, here's the deal. If you live in the village of Brown Deer, don't get too comfortable with your property because the Brown Deer Village Board are a bunch of pirates and if they get a better deal, they are taking your property. Let, let me walk you through the history of this. And the Journal Sentinel has a story, but it really doesn't go as far. Right, a couple years ago, okay, we're talking about brown deer. A couple years ago, there's a big manufacturing company. It's an international company, but it's headquartered in brown deer. It's called Wright Height. 
And Wright Height has all this property on Brown Deer Road, kind of around 43rd Street. And they have this property that they have held, they've had for years. That's where their facility is, their headquarters are, and they have this, they have space. They're not using all the, the land they own, but they have this space because they might expand someday. Well, the pirates in Brown Deer, they decide, the village board decides, okay, we've got, We've got our, our public works facility, you know, where we, we keep our trucks and stuff. And that's at one location. But we've decided we want to move it. We, we, want, we don't want to fix it up. We want to move it to a different location. So you know what we want to do? We want to move it to the right height property. Now, this is a couple of years ago. So right height says, well, no, this is ours. We're not interested in selling it. We might be expanding the company. You know, we, we've had this for years and years. We're not interested in selling. But owner of right height says, well, I guess... You know, there's a price for anything. You know, what 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 do you think it's worth? And so they make the owner an offer. They say, no, that's not enough money, you know, for this. We want to keep the property. And so what the village pirates in Brown Deer do is they decide, okay, you're not going to sell us this. Tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take it from you. Take it from them? Yeah, that, that's what they do. They say, we're going to start an eminent domain procedure, and we are going to legally grab your property so we can move our public utility garage on, from where it is now onto your property. Now, what eminent domain, we talk about it a lot. I mean, eminent domain says the government can come in and take private property by paying a, what what is ultimately determined to be a fair market value if, if there's an overriding public need. You know, you need a place for a school, okay? So there's no other place for school. You take somebody's property. You need to widen the road. So, all right, that means you got to cut into some people's front lawns, and you have to pay them for it. But, of course, in Brown Deer, that's not what this was all about. There were all sorts of places, including all sorts of vacant lots that were for sale in Brown Deer, that Brown Deer could have chosen to put this this garage, but they decided they wanted the right height spot, so they took 6.5 acres, and, you know, there was a court fight, but ultimately the law is such that it, it pretty much allows these pirates to do that. There's a Supreme Court decision from a few years ago, the, court, the Keogh case, that, that gives great latitude towards these businesses. So they move the garage, right? So they move the garage, they take the, this 6.5 acres from a company that didn't want to sell the land. So now they move the garage. So now you have this essentially vacant area where there is the garage. All right, well, well, here's the deal. They have two developers that want to build housing developments in this area. One is, I think, already under construction, and the other, the developer, you know, is in the process of, of you know, working it out to build all these apartment buildings. I don't know. It seems to me that it's going to be overbuilt. I don't know that that area can support this, but okay, what do I know about that? So anyway, so this is now the flip side. What happens next is you have, and the Journal Sentinel has this story, you have this this woman who, she has two houses, and she sells her property to a developer where she lives um, because he wants to build a development. They move her house follow this, they move her house onto a lot, kind of in the area where the, this um, this public works garage used to be, but it, it's a lot that's owned by a private person. So they pay, they move the, the house. The woman has hundreds of thousands of dollars in this move. Well, all right, this is now an area that's kind of between these two housing developments, and one of the developers says, you know what, 
you know, this uh, this would be great to, to take some of these properties that are in this area and turn them into like a, a public green space. And it would make it more attractive for my housing development, and it would make it more attractive for the other housing development. Now, wouldn't this be great? So the, one of the developers, for example, goes to some of the property owners, including this lady, and says, tell you what, I want to buy you know, your house. I want to buy the land, and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn it into this development. Lady says, no, I don't want to sell my, my property. I guess I'm willing to talk to you about money, but I, I really don't want to sell. So then what the developer does is he heads over to the Brown Deer Village Pirates, and he says, okay, let's use eminent domain to grab this lady's property and grab other people's property because I haven't been able to negotiate a deal with her. She doesn't want to pay what I'm willing. She won't accept what I'm willing to offer. So let's have the government come in and grab this property as well. And we'll force this lady out of her house. Yeah, we're going to have to pay her fair market value, but it's not. But she doesn't want to sell in the first place. And then we'll turn this into this kind of green space area between the, these two housing developments that we're going to put up. Meanwhile, the lady's saying, you know, what what is going on here? As are a couple of the other property owners who apparently got no notice that this is what the pirates on the Brown Deer Village Board intended to do. Another land grab, not because they need the space. Not because it is essential, but rather because, well, gee, we think maybe it has a higher value, and maybe if we take it and take their property and toss them out of their homes and then we turn it into green space, maybe this will make it slightly more attractive for these developers who aren't able to buy it or aren't willing to pay what the people want in the first place. Now, I understand that's kind of complicated, but the bottom line is, uh, once again, you've got the Brown Deer Village Pirates who are grabbing people's property for, in my opinion, no good reason in efforts in an effort to really benefit some private developers. And candidly, I think it's wrong. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, look, everything has a price. And it's one of those deals where, okay, if these developers, you know, think that, you know, some green space is important to make their developments, their housing developments, their apartments go, I I get it. I respect that. Well, then what you do, like in the real world, is you should come in and you should say, okay, all right, you don't want to sell? Well, okay, we're, we're going to meet your price. And if you don't meet their price, well, okay, fine, then the lady lives between these two housing developments. But this idea that, all right, we can't make a deal, so we're going to go to the Brown Deer Village Board, and we're going to have the board come in and use eminent domain to grab their property against their will, it's just... It's fundamentally wrong. I think it's un-American. It's one thing. Look, I understand if you've got an area that's blighted. You know, you've got, all right, you've got, uh, you're, you're doing some urban redevelopment. And you, you've got, you know, block after block of slums. And, you know, the developer or the people that own the, 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 the slum housing unwilling to work with you. I, I understand that government has an interest in saying, okay, look, we, we've got to, we're doing urban development and, you know, we've, we've got to move this out to improve the quality of life. But that's not what is going on in Brown Deer. What Brown Deer is doing, in my opinion, just like they did a couple years ago with Wright Height, is they are using the, the power of the government to grab people's property against their will for convenience, if nothing else. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And unfortunately, until and unless 
people in brown deer decide to rise up and vote the current members of the board out you're you're this is going to continue and the bottom line is if you live in brown deer and you think you've been there for 20 or 30 years and you think that you know your property is yours that's not it because if they get a better offer from some developer somewhere and they decide they want it and you don't want to sell they're going to take it from you 414-799-1620 we discuss in just a moment i, I just Again, I appreciate eminent domain, but the way they're doing this in Brown Deer is just, in my opinion, fundamentally wrong. 414-799-1620, back in just a moment, broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. This is Jeff Wagner. So, very glad to have you with us. Chuck says, hey, why doesn't Brown Deer use eminent domain on the Northridge property? Well, I think Northridge might be in Milwaukee, but to your point, that the stuff... um, uh, you know, some of these failing apartment complexes and decrepit stuff immediately to the east of Northridge on uh, Brown Deer Road. Yeah, I mean, if you wanted to argue that some stuff is blighted and you want to take it, that, that might be it. And by the way, let me be clear here. I don't fault the developers for trying to do this. I mean, I get it. I mean, if I'm a developer, I'm trying to buy somebody's property. They don't want to sell me their property. So I'm kind of frustrated. I mean, so I, I understand. Uh, now, normally, if that's like you and me, let's say I'm, let's say you have a car. Let's say I'm a classic car collector, and you've got a classic car, and I want to buy it. And you've got a '68 Mustang, and it's in really, really great condition. And you want twenty-five thousand dollars. I don't know what they're worth. You want forty thousand dollars for the car, and I don't want to pay more than twenty-five thousand. And we go back and forth, and I say, "But I, I really want the car." And you say, "That that's great. I want forty thousand. And I say, "No, I, I I'm only willing to pay twenty-five thousand." And we go back and forth. Well, what's going to happen in the real world is the negotiations. One of two things: they're going to break off. And we're going to go our separate ways, and you keep your Mustang, and I keep my money. Or we're going to, you know, reach uh, some accord, some price in the middle. Or, you know, um, you're going to pay my price, or I'm going to pay yours. I mean, th- that's how it works. And if we're not able to make a deal, the parties go their separate ways. Well, in this particular case, you have these developers who apparently they don't want to meet the price of what the people are asking. All right, well, fine. In the real world, what should happen is then you go your separate ways. You build your housing complex. That's great, and we don't have that a little bit of green space. But, you know, in Brown Deer, what you have to do, all you have to do is simply let's go to the village board and say, well, I'm a big-time developer, and I want to put up this housing project, and these people won't sell, so here's the deal. Let's take it from them, and, you know, let's pay them a, a rate that's ultimately decided but is less than they want to accept. You know, this is, I think it's really one of the fundamentally unfair things about what happens. Now, a lot of communities won't do this because they're going to say, look, it's it's one thing if we want to build a school, and it's another thing if we got to expand a road, or it's another thing that if we want to uh, build a library and there's no good place for it other than this. But that's not how they operate in Brown Deer. In Brown Deer, it's, okay, you know, your private property rights don't matter. And if we think there's a better deal out there, we're going to take yours. And so, again, I don't fault the developers. You know, they're not able to strike a deal. So they go to the village board and they say, we can't make a deal with these people. You just go ahead and take it. Well, okay, that, that, that's great. But this, is that the right thing to do? And apparently in Brown Deer, they have no problem with that at all. So the message is, at least under this current board, if you live in Brown Deer, don't get too attached to your home no matter how long you've lived there, because if somebody comes along with a better deal um, for the village, 
they're going to just cut you out with no second thoughts. And they did it a couple of years ago, and they're, they're doing it again now. Back with more in just a minute. It's 127. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We're back broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. Okay, in the next half hour of the program, I, you know, I, I try not to get upset and obsessed about some of the small stuff, but it is apparent that the lieutenant governor of the state of Wisconsin is a scam artist to the extreme. I didn't comment when he was going through his thing about unpaid property taxes, but there's another story out. I mean, I don't know. When I say I finished law school in 1982, the implication is, I finished law school and I graduated. When I say I finished college in 1978, the implication is I graduated from college. Well, not if it's Mandela Barnes speak. We're going to talk about that. And a year ago, some big developments in this area. What does it look like a year later? That's all coming up. Stick around. We're back broadcasting live from the final Friday of the Wisconsin State Fair. It it seems... And everybody's out here. Everybody's having a great time. It's great. All sorts of people stopping off and saying hello. This is, uh, I've been trying to think, and I'm not that great at inclusive counting. I believe this is my 22nd year working for WTMJ and being out at the fair. And it's just, it's it's been interesting to see how things have changed. Our, our booth is in the same place, but we used to... We used to have pictures of all the WTMJ personalities and stuff up behind where I'm sitting now. We now we just have kind of a like a just a backdrop with the logo. But it's you know I mean some things change, but then some things don't, and that's the great consistency of the State Fair. Matter of fact, coming up in about 25 minutes, we're going to check in one final time, at least for me, with uh, Kathleen O'Leary, the CEO of the fair, and my dear friend, and we're going to uh, just talk about you know this year's fair and. You know, were there controversies and, you know, what worked, what didn't work and, you know, what some of the plans are for next year's fan fair as well. Okay, um, Mandela Barnes is the lieutenant governor. And I I always I try not to obsess about small things. I mean, sometimes people make a, a big deal about small things. For example, Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Uh, is the front runner for the Democratic nomination. And so you have all these other Democrats that want to take Biden out. And Biden, okay, he's in his mid-70s. Maybe he's slowed down a little bit. I, I don't know. Maybe he's slowed down a little bit. But what, what's happened is because he's the front runner, you've got all the long knives that are out. and They're trying to take out Biden. And so, you know, anything Biden says ends up getting scrutinized ends up getting scrutinized extensively and and then criticized. And if the guy has a slip of the tongue, oh, this is this huge thing. You know, and, and Joe Biden's a guy who speaks extemporaneously and he's aggressive and things like that. So for example, yesterday he's at the he's at he's in Iowa and he's at a town hall event in Des Moines that's hosted by Asian and the Asian and Latino coalition. And he's talking about, you know, how you can improve performance for um, minority, particularly Asian and Latino kids. And he says, we should challenge students in these schools that have advanced placement programs in these schools. And he's just speaking extemporaneously. We have this notion that somehow if you're poor, you cannot do it. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Okay, well, then then people seize on this. And then he asked pause. He says, I mean, wealthy kids, black kids, Asian kids. No, I, I really mean it. Um, but th- but think how we think about it. And I get it. You know, what, what he's trying to say is that, you know, poor kids are just as bright and talented as 
wealthy kids. That's what he's trying to say. And he says they're just as talented as white kids. All right, it's just kind of, I, I don't know if it's a slip of the tongue, but he catches what he said right away, and then he, he just corrects it. This is the headline in the New York Times. It's a headline in the Washington Post. It's, you know, one story after, oh, this, this is Biden. He misspeaks. You know, he meant to say, you know, wealthy kids, and he said white kids. Ha, ha, ha. And I, I've always, look, I, I don't care whether Joe Biden wins the Democrat nomination or not. I, as I've said before, I think he's the one guy, if people want to beat Donald Trump, I think Biden, a moderate Democrat, as opposed to some of these people like the Bernie Sanders and the Elizabeth Warrens of the world who are just on the kook fringe, I think Biden's a guy who, who beats Trump. I think some of these others, well, it's a whole different whole different sort of story. But I, I just, I'd never like to kind of play the, this gotcha stuff that, that's there because, again, what ends up happening is it, it's just not fair. As somebody who makes his living speaking in front of an open microphone extemporaneously three hours a day, five days a week, you know, you misspeak from time to time. I had a guy, we were talking about guns the other day, and I think I meant to say, you know, AK-47s, and I said AK-57. Oh, I said AK-57. Yeah, I did it. And I get this nasty text. You have no credibility to talk about guns because you said it was an AK-57. To which you say, really? I mean, really? And so I, I understand there's trivia like that. And I, Mandela Barnes has been the object of a lot of controversy. And he was involved with, you know, questions about apparently he was delinquent on taxes for his condo or something. And I, I don't even think we ever discussed it because I, I thought it was it was just kind of a nothing burger. You know, the guy owed a couple grand or something, and he had given some sort of flim-flam story about whether he'd paid it, kind of like the check is in the mail. And they got all this attention, and he ended up paying. And it was a relatively small amount, so I just didn't think that was, I, I didn't think that was worth commenting on. But I will say that when you start to get a pattern, think things emerge. So here's the deal. When he was running for office, on multiple occasions, he told people, that he had either finished college or received a degree. Okay, so when I say I finished law school in 1982, the, the general impression is I, that I, you tend to leave is you finished, you graduated, you got your degree. Not I finished as in I got done and walked away and didn't graduate. You know, I, that's it. But apparently what he said is in interviews, first of all, with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel in November, he said twice he finished college in 2008. All right. And based on that representation, the Journal Sentinel reported he had graduated from his university. Um, he was doing an interview with the Capital Times last September. He said he finished college in 2008. And when you say you finished college, everybody assumes that, okay, you, you graduated. Um, in a candidate questionnaire published by the Wisconsin State Journal, Barnes answered that he received a B.A. in broadcast journalism from Alabama A.M. University, A&M University, which means when you say you received a Bachelor of Arts in Broadcast Journalism, that means you earned and graduated with a Bachelor of Arts degrees. And the State Journal then published that information. Okay, now it turns out that contrary to what he said, he never finished college. And he certainly didn't graduate with a Bachelor of Arts degree. He did attend this university, but now he's saying, well, um, I had a class, I got an incomplete I completed the coursework to get the incomplete resolve. It resolved. It never turned in. It's a small technical thing. Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know the truth of that. I don't know if the check was in the mail for the, the whole mortgage deal. All I know is the guy didn't graduate. And at, at worst, he flat out lied about it. At best, 
he was misleading, creating the impression that he did graduate about it. Now, this, one of the interesting things to me is, at, at the end of the day, you know, who really cares? I understand there was huge controversy for eight, ten years. You know, Scott Walker didn't graduate from college, doesn't have a college degree. And remember, we had all these endless debates about is that good or bad or, you know, is this disqualifying? But Walker never lied about the fact that, that he you know, didn't graduate from college. You know, he explained why it was he got the job, got married, et cetera, et cetera. And people can judge for themselves. But, you know, it, it wasn't so much in this case. In Walker's case, it, it was that he didn't have the degree, not that he wasn't upfront about not having degree, the degree. In the Barnes case, here you have another example where you have a guy that's playing fast and loose with the truth. And like I say, the underlying thing at the end of the day, who cares whether the guy graduated with a degree in um, what is it, broadcast journalism or not? You know, does that mean he's not an effective politician? Does that mean he can't properly represent people? No. At the end of the day, the degree thing doesn't matter. What is, I think, more important is the fact that the guy misrepresented either overtly lied or misrepresented his circumstances. And that, to me, again, it's, it's a character sort of indication. If he would have said, I attended you know, the university, didn't finish, or I've got an incomplete that's hanging there, or I'm almost finished, or whatever. Now, I don't know about you. If it was me, and I had gone through almost four years at a university, and I was one class away from graduating, and I did the work, I, I would make, I'd be making darn sure that I got credit and I got that diploma. I mean, I, I just, I can't imagine, this is somebody who has an undergraduate degree and has a law degree, I can't imagine putting in all that time and then if you're really entitled to the degree and you've done the work, just walking away from it. Makes no sense to me, which is why I kind of question Mandela Barnes' story. But, okay, maybe he's different. Maybe he doesn't mind just walking away after, you know, three and a half years and being one class away from graduating and you've done that work. Maybe he doesn't care that he didn't get the degree or not. That doesn't make any sense to me. But, okay, maybe that's the case. But then, you know, don't create a misleading impression. Don't say you finished college when you didn't finish college. You know, don't say that you graduated with a Bachelor of Arts in Broadcast Journalism when you didn't graduate with a Bachelor of Arts in Broadcast Journalism. And again, if it was just this story, maybe you'd be inclined to give it a pass. If it was just the whole story about not paying the property tax in timely fashion, maybe you'd be inclined to give it a pass. But story after story makes you wonder, you know, is there something more going on here, and what else isn't he being upfront about? 145, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, so glad to have you with us. All right, interesting story. How Time flies really, really quickly. Journal Sentinel reporting that a year ago, okay, this is August of 2019, do you know what happened in August of 2018? All the Boston stores closed. Now, now think about Boston store. Think about, you know, the, the locations. There was one at Bayshore. There was one at Brookfield Square. You had the big one downtown. I mean, just the Mayfair as well. All the Boston stores, they, they closed last August. And I don't know about you, but, I mean, I, I'm, we moved here. My parents moved here when I was a little kid. And there were, there, there were Boston stores decades and decades and decades. And now they all closed. And I guess I had forgotten, or it just had slipped my mind, that that was a year ago. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It's been a year 
since Boston Store went away. Do you miss it? Do you notice it? Have you moved on? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Or do you still walk into Bayshore Town Center or Boston Store or you know Mayfair or any of the other locations where they had them and go, boy, I can't believe Boston Store is gone. I really miss it. Or... Again, have we moved on? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess for me, and I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I mean, it had been a long time since I had, you know, shopped at Boston stores. And candidly, you know, a Boston store, but when I was a kid, you used to go there a long time. You know, the... I don't go. I hadn't been going to department stores in ages, which is probably you know one of the reasons why. And last couple of times I went into Boston store for stuff, it just wasn't. It was not necessarily a pleasant experience. So my answer would be, no, no, I don't. And maybe I'm just a little bit surprised because of not just the fact that it, it, in Boston stores there weren't just one store. There were multiple you know, stores, and also because of the fact that, you know, Boston stores had been here and had been around for so very long. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, let's get started. Here's a text from Kim who writes, I'm not over it, haven't moved on to where? Penny's Gross, I miss Boston store at least, at least once a week. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, hi, Jeff. I'm 32 years old. What is a Boston store? Well, I guess, you know, that's that's the reaction that, candidly, you're going to get about newspapers someday. Because, I mean, I, I believe that at least a print edition of the Journal Sentinel is going to be history in the relatively near future. I'm not rooting for that. I'm just predicting. I think it's going to be all digital probably sooner than we all think. And then people are going to say, what is this thing? You mean they used to deliver the, the, the journal Sentinel to your house? Eric on the south side. Eric, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. It used to be uh, my mom and I used to go to Boston store all the time. She loved that store. It was one of the better stores. That, uh, it, it, was just, it was good, that's all. It's great to go to. Okay, so do you miss it? Do you miss it now? Yeah. Oh, you know, I do miss it, yeah, because there was a lot of bargains in there, and it was better than uh, Macy's. Marshall Fields used to be good, but it's better than Macy's. Yeah. Okay, so so have you have you figured out some other place to shop? Um, where do you go now, now that Boston Store's gone? Well, Macy's is uh, something like uh, Boston Store, so I okay. would go to Macy's, so... It Got good. it. Okay. I appreciate it. Okay. Thanks to call, Eric. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see. 414-799-1620. Well, there's Kohl's, but somebody says there's Kohl's, but uh, that's not the same. Okay. Terry from the State Fair, standing outside our booth. You're going to need to back up a little bit, or you're going to get feedback. Hi. Hi, Terry. Hi. We really miss our Boston store in West Bend, and now it's just a big, ugly, you know, building that's just sitting there. I mean, my wife went yeah. shopping there a lot. Yeah, that I know. Um, I know that shop, and that that whole shopping center is pretty much almost vacant now it in is. West Bend, right? It is. It is. Yeah. It's a shame. Yeah. Right. Well, it is, and, and thanks for thanks for the call, Terry. I appreciate it. Terry standing right outside our, our booth. The um, the the thing about. See, like, in, at least around around here, 
there are perhaps more shopping alternatives. And I mean, I, I know exactly that shopping center you're talking about in, in West Bend. Matter of fact, I know some people who are investors in that shopping center in West Bend. And, you know, when in a community like that, when you, when you lose a place like Boston Store, it does, I think, dramatically limit, you know, people's opportunities. Joan in Greenfield. Joan, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Um, yes, Hi, Joan. I definitely miss them. I, I like I was telling um, the gentleman I talked to, I bought all mm-hmm. my dresses. I have four children, and I bought all the my dresses for mother of the bride or groom from there at a very reasonable price. They had pants. I can't find pants. I'm a shorter woman, <laughs> and I can't find pants anywhere that fit me. I, I just, and I, and my whole family feels all my sisters. I mean, we're older, so we're not uh, necessarily into ordering online. And then you get it, and it doesn't fit. And then we got to return it. You got to send it back. Sure. Yeah. So you said, so, did you hit the Boston store? At, did you go to the one at Southridge? Is that the one where you shopped at? Southridge and Brookfield Square and Mayfair. Okay, so you were a Boston store supporter. Thanks for the call, Joan. I it just, I, I bring this up because. I, as I t- when we do these segments about you know things that you know you remember, uh, a lot of times whether it's businesses or institutions, and you think that they're going to be there forever. And I got to admit, I I just you you just kind of in some respects perhaps you take them for granted. And you know Boston Store was always one of these institutions that you thought it was always going to be there, and then one day it it's not. It's been a year since they closed. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, lots more. We've got Pop Culture Corner right after 2.30. We've got Kathleen O'Leary scheduled to stop in and lots more. We do not go gently into the good weekend on the Wagner program as we broadcast live from State Fair. This is Jeff Wagner. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Mobile Studio at the Wisconsin State Fair, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show, broadcasting live from the 2019 edition of the Wisconsin State Fair. Now, as I said at the start of the show, I always get wistful on days like today because uh, this is my last broadcast from the Wisconsin State Fair in 2019. And I say I'm not that great with inclusive counting, but it's it's been 21 or 22 years, and I, I, I love the fair, and I love an opportunity to see listeners and things like that. But all good things do come to an end. We're joined now by Wisconsin State Fair CEO Kathleen O'Leary. Well, it's not coming to an end for you, at least for another couple of days, huh? We, got th- we have three more days. Three more days, and you know, three more days for all of you, the listeners, to, to come out. Two and a half, actually, if you'd right. like to. No. <laughs> let let let's talk about a, a couple things that I know are of of concern to you as the CEO, and maybe that don't get enough attention. Um, like last weekend, the story, of course, was some of the terrible mass shootings that we had at different locations. And this is, of course, an incredibly public venue where, in any given year, you will have nine hundred thousand, a million people that that come through. I know, Kathleen, you are extremely proud of the security you have at the State Fair and all the work and the different plans that have been put into place over the last several years. 
I, I really am. And I, you know, it's a story that unfortunately due to the unthinkable circumstances I've been able to, to share because I don't think that the listeners and the fair goers understand the number one, that it is without question our first initiative. It's our primary initiative, the safety and the security of the fair goers that come here. And we are talking upwards of, you know, the way we're trending right now, potentially yet another million people for the seventh year in a row. Um, in 2016, in my first year as CEO, I had to make some really hard decisions and we put metal detectors in at, um, four years ago. That was a hard decision, but it was a right decision. It was a costly decision. But, you know, and we certainly have had them ever since, and we will continue to have them. We have an emission policy that after 6 o'clock, if you're under 18, you have to have a guardian with you um, that's over 18, a guardian or a parent that's with you. We instituted that in 2011. And we have our own police department, and I don't know that everyone knows that, that we have a full, you know, over 100 sworn officers are part of our Wisconsin State Fair Park Police Department. We have a mounted patrol um, force. We have a bike patrol force. We have a detective unit, um, both uncover and uh, just a full detective unit that's there. We have, we work closely with West Dallas, very, very closely with West Dallas. We have a great relationship with the Milwaukee Sheriff Department. We have an incredible relationship with Milwaukee Police Department because in the 200 acres, one portion of the jurisdiction is West Dallas and another portion, the Spin City portion, is, is Milwaukee. So we work closely together. We have a command post that has representation from all of those jurisdictions, municipalities that are watching. We're, we're up there 24. Those police representation is there the entire time that we're open, 24 hours for the 11 days that we're here. So, I mean, the, the force behind that is that we take this very serious. The the safety and security is, is, in, is incredibly important. There's cameras everywhere over throughout this park. We continue to improve our cameras, our technology for that as well. And And... I mean, I'm, I don't claim to have read all the police reports and stuff, but this has been a relatively, un, and I, I take relatively out of way. Out the, uh, this has been an uneventful sort of fair from a security perspective, right? For the last for the last three years, we've the last year in particular. I mean, we had 33 arrests. That's where we're trending. 33 arrests over the course of 11 days, and you know, over a million people for those last six years, and we're lighter on our arrests. At this point in time, I don't want to throw out a number right now because we're certainly not through the fair. But I mean, that's a, a number that when you consider you're asked, looking at a million, right, <laughs> potentially a million asked, people, yeah, exactly. You'd think, oh my gosh, you have to have a ton of arrests. People are drinking, it's carrying. It's not like that. That's not what this entertainment venue. That's not what this fair is about. Well, and you can kind of tell that when you you just you look at the composition of the fair. And I mean, I get a chance to sit here in this booth and watch people walk by, and you see. You see all ages. You know, you see older people, you see middle-aged people, you see young people, lots of kids. You see all sorts of different, you know, um, ethnicities. It's just, it's a very broad-based fair, and, and people are here to have a good time as a general rule. They really are, and they're here to enjoy being together with each other. You know, what is it that you want? You know, if you're coming with your six people in your friend group let's say and you all like different things but some like to eat some like to drink some people want to watch music some people want to shop some people want to go down and ride rides everyone gets something and right. that's the the beauty of what we do here I, I also think from the perspective of of the fair there are so many different things to do it, it's not all based around alcohol um so yeah i mean you can sit and you can watch a cover band and you know you can have a couple beers but there's all these other things to do it's not like the only thing to do is to drink beer or whatever not at all and you know what i love is you know people will get a cold beer and then they'll they'll walk right and you know the 
you know, go down and check out all of the the animals in the ag village. I mean, this is the other part of this. We like to we call it educate. It's educating subtly. That's our discovery barnyard where you know what I wouldn't know about hatching quails, right? But guess what? When I go through the discovery barnyard, I get to see quails being hatched. I get to see chicks being <laughs> hatched. We get to see the baby piglets. It's it's awesome. But then we're gonna feel like, oh my gosh, I'm a little bit smarter. I feel a little bit better. And now let's go watch the pig races. And then we get done doing that because that's fun. And we all do our little side betting and have some fun with that. And then, oh, Let's okay. go through the craft barn and buy buy something that we didn't think we needed. But now that we've seen the pitch guy, we know we absolutely can't live without it. Absolutely. So it's just, that's the beauty of it. And I mean, we're sitting here looking at it in theater of the minds for the listeners, but we are in, you know, the the open glass, what do you call it? The fishbowl. Fishbowl, yes. And you just see people people smiling, you see them reading their, you know, either looking at their phones trying to navigate their way through or their daily schedules and it's just it's just a great way and this weather couldn't be better and we're graced. We are graced with great weather but we as the staff are graced with it. We work tirelessly to put it on but you're graced because it's your Wisconsin State Fair. Okay, on that note, Kathleen, I know there, there has been one, what I'm going to describe is, is sort of a mini controversy. I saw you on television the other night. Let me take a quick break and we're going to come back and talk to that about okay. that. Uh, this is Jeff Wagner with Kathleen O'Leary. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. Welcome back. We're broadcasting live from the 2019 Wisconsin State Fair. Two and a half days left. We're joined by State Fair CEO uh, Kathleen O'Leary. All right, Kathleen. So I'm watching TV the other night. And, and my friend and I are watching TV. And they say, our, our, our friend, that's Kathleen. She's on TV. Um, contra- and I actually think this year's fair has been largely without controversy. We can't always say that over all the years that we've been here. But, Trust me, you but, can't. <laughs> right. But, but, I mean, largely without controversy, which is a good thing, except a little bit of a thing with uh, a vendor that was selling some T-shirts, and uh, you and the fair made the decision these T-shirts were inappropriate. Can you talk just a little bit about that? Sure, I'd be happy to. So it was brought to our attention on Tuesday. You know, we have, you can address your issues via email. There were some things that came through social media. There were some things that came right to our phone room. And it just, it it was progressing and intensifying. So it was brought to my attention. And it is a vendor that is a good vendor of ours. He's been with us for a long time. And it just, there were shirts in there that were, offensive and and unacceptable and we weren't aware of it that we we prove what people can do but certainly these we didn't go into every single t-shirt and basically once we knew that this they were offensive and there were some firearm shirts in there that they weren't necessarily offensive but in light of what has happened here in our country over the course of the last 10 days the spirit of that it just was not it was awful timing and it's not what we advocate it's not what we condone it's not who we are so we just had a we went down and we addressed it with the vendor and said we need to take them all down and now you didn't toss the vendor out or nope, anything no nope. We didn't. I mean, obviously, if it might have been a different vendor, there might be a different end result. The bottom line, the end result would have been they would not be sold any longer. But this is a very good vendor. They were respectful, and they took the T-shirts down. And we are on our merry way of not having those kind of shirts up there. There's political shirts up there. That is what some people find offensive. That is something that we can't really take down you know there's can you balance it that right and i want to make it clear that that this there's not a ban for example if a vendor wanted to sell 
at T-shirts supporting Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders or Make America Great Hats Again, you're not stopping them from doing that. These were particular T-shirts that were beyond showing support for a candidate or a particular issue or something. Correct. With offensive slogans that just weren't, they weren't appropriate and they're not acceptable for the standards of the Wisconsin State Fair Park Management. Now, and again, this was... This was a restriction on. This is one vendor, and of course, I, I mean, I know you guys approve menus, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yes, so I mean, it's, right, menus. right uh, of that stuff. This isn't. There's different rules if somebody were to come to the fair wearing their own T-shirt, right? If you come to the Wisconsin State Fair and you have a T-shirt on that is incredibly offensive, perhaps maybe, let me just say carefully, but something with the F word on it that said, you know, if you look at me wrong, I'm going to do something that's not okay, those kind of things, we will have police ask you to turn your... Right. to turn your shirt on, you know, inside out so that because, we can see it. Right, because this this is, as we were talking about earlier, this is a multi-generational event, including mm-hmm. a family event, and you think it is your right. And I agree, by the way. I mean, you, you want to, like, present as favor- as positive an environment as possible for everybody that's coming out here, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And it's just, it's not something that people want to see. It's not what we want our kids to see. It's not what Grandma wants to see. And it's, it would appreciate if you're listening and you think you're going to put that shirt on don't <laughs> right or, or don't come to the fair if you, if you feel that you fair. need well no i mean i and i i get that i mean some people say oh this is like censorship and stuff no it's kind of like going to miller park i don't want to be sitting in miller park with my 12 year old nephew and have some guy who's screaming something using the f word you know every two minutes that's just uh, at, okay maybe it's, it's the experience or it takes right, away from the maybe experience. it's my problem but but still i i think society has the right to impose certain standards so i mean i think that's fine okay all right enough of that <laughs> what well no i mean and i appreciate your candor about that and i'm i'm sure it's a position that generates a little bit of heat i mean i've gotten some emails from people saying you know they they took this down and you know, I, i'm glad you can come on and explain what your thinking was on that and for those that are you know, terribly disappointed because people have stressed that they're thoroughly disappointed. I hope that we can regain your trust and regain, you know, the appreciation and the respect that we did address. When it was addressed, we did take care of it. Right. That's important. Let's, um, your job is really, it's a 52-week-a-year job, right? Once the state fair winds down Sunday evening, well, you're already in the planning stages for next year, right? We absolutely are. We have four o'clock meetings every day with management. Um, you know, there, there are staff updates and all of that, but it's really just the planning. You know, we will have a post debrief midweek next week um, that we'll take on. And it's just, it isn't where we're going to delve in and get into the weeds and everything. It's the top line. And all right, here's what worked. Here's what didn't. Here's who's in this committee, who's on this task force to do this. So, um, yes, we are. We're planning 2020 right now. Have there been a couple? surprise successes in 2019 i understand the whole thing's a success but you know i'm a couple things that you thought oh boy that really worked really well um the dairy lane exhibit that was our new exhibit and the lower cattle barn was really we knew it would be good it's an interactive it's a great way to again i said it earlier when we were talking kind of agitate and i it's just it's a way that we can get people to understand the dairy industry in a really fun, experiential way that's you know family-friendly and good for all ages. The way that people have felt about that and how 
you know, like they walk out and they just can't say enough about, oh my gosh, this is, I never knew that about cheese making. So that we really find to be a success. The Exploratory Park, our relationship with the DNR, um, they take over the front building and they've just done, you know, a shout out to, to Secretary Cole because his staff is amazing and he really wanted to have this be a showcase. Their efforts are in the clean water efforts, so they're doing a great job there. They have the fish tanks up there. But then on as you move south, we've really worked hard, and that's the staff that's worked really hard to, to beautify that, to make that be a, a tranquil oasis. We have a paradise pond. It was just an old area that was just all greenery and foliage, and now we created this beautiful uh, pond with a waterfall. So you can go back there. Everything is, it's got a zen-like feel, yeah. and it's an oasis. It's not where you would think you would be. I've heard other people use that word. I, I, have, I haven't seen it myself, but that's the word that people have used, oasis, to describe that area. It's awesome. It's awesome. And then certainly our beautification. At every turn, there's just these planters that are incredible, and that's the mastermind of Jill Albanese, one of the staff members of, of Wisconsin State Fair Park staff, but she works all year long. She knows when things are going to plant, when things are going to bloom, what shady what's not um, i'm really super proud of our, our our garden walk so there's 10 stops on this garden walk and again these are little secrets right so it's the 10 stops that you go through and you can see the topiaries in the one area and you get your your little card punch then you go back to grand champion hall and you get a a little prize a nice little prize but we also now have an art walk because we're really proud of of art at wisconsin state fair we've done a call out for artists for our youth art for our adult art. Um, so that's all displayed along the concourse of the Exposition Center. And then on Monday and Tuesday, we had upwards of 40 plein air artists that were here at the Fair Park, and they were painting all throughout the Fair Park, and all of their art is displayed as well. And it's on it's on sale, and it, all of the benefits go to our foundation. Kathleen, I mean, time really flies because it doesn't seem like a week ago Wednesday that you and I were bright-eyed and bushy-tailed outside the, the, the gate in front of the Petted Ice Center looking at four or 500 cars all lined up to get free three packs of cream puffs at 6.20 in the morning or something. That was, that, that's always, that's historically the way we start, you know, the, the, at least the way I start the run up to the State Fair. Okay, Jeff, so on day nine, are you saying that I'm not looking bright-eyed and bushy-tailed? <laughs> well, I, I, I would never say that. You are always incredibly lovely and energetic and <laughs> And um, I, I tell you, I, I say this, I say this behind your back, so I, I'll say it to your face. I, I just, I, I think you do a great job as the CEO of the State Fair. I think the Wisconsin State Fair is in really good hands with you here. Thank and you. so, on behalf of all of us who enjoy and love the fair, uh, great job. And Kathleen O'Leary, I'm looking forward to many more years that we can spend our time together. And, and here, okay, this is we got some people. If they, give Kathleen a round of applause here. If you love, if you love the fair. There you go. Yeah. Okay. That's it. So. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. That's it. <laughs> Kathleen, um, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for stopping thank, by. Thank you so much, and thank you to the listeners that have come out, and hopefully you'll be able to get out, and we can finish strong for 2019 Wisconsin State Fair. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. It's time now for Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner, sponsored by New Femme Rejuvenation Clinic. Put aside the heavy lifting and call the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 414-799-1620 to get on the show. And now, here is Jeff Wagner. Broadcasting live from the 2019 Wisconsin State Fair. Okay, let's finish the program strong. 
Pop Culture Corner. Sometimes we talk about TV, sometimes books, sometimes movies, sometimes travel, sometimes food. All right. Since we are at the State Fair, true story. Yesterday, I really haven't had a lot of time to kind of wander around the fair. Yesterday, I had just a little bit of time. So I went down and I got a pork chop sandwich. And if my doctor is listening, I only ate about half the bun, but I had the whole pork chop sandwich. And I was kind of walking around and I, you know, you go to all these different venues and they've, they've got bands, typically cover bands that are playing all sorts of music. And I, I walk past this one, this one place and they were playing a, a song. It's the old Steve Goodman, David Allen Coe song, you, you Never Call Me By My Name. A great, great country song. And I stopped. And, and just hearing whatever the, the group, the cover band was that was playing that song, I stopped and I wanted to hear the song. So actually, I kind of walked into the venue and I stood there and I, I watched them do the song. I was kind of curious as to whether they changed the lyrics or whatever. But I stopped what I was doing. I heard the song. I walked into the venue and... Then after they finished the song, they were wrapping up their set, so I, I walked out and went about my way. But it was the fact that they were playing that song, that particular song, that made me stop, and I had to listen. Well, okay, my guess is that that is not a unique experience to me. My guess is that there will be, there might be one song, and maybe it's the song that when it comes on the radio, or when you're walking around the public venue, whether it's Summerfest or State Fair or whatever, or, or maybe you're just you're on a street somewhere, you're in Key West, you're in New Orleans, you're wherever, you're at some venue and there's a band playing and there's a song, that one particular song that comes on and you got to stop and listen. So I'm calling today's pop culture um, corner. The, the segment is, I just had to stop. It made me stop. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. What song, now I get to have multiple ones because it's my show, but what song, is there one song that when you hear it, you just stop what you're doing and you listen to it? It's that song that just, for whatever reason, captures your imagination. Maybe it's because it transports you back to a particular place in time. Maybe it's just because you like the song. Maybe because it's the song that makes you want to dance. Maybe it's the song that makes you want to cry. I don't know. But is there one song, the song that just makes you stop what you're doing? For me, yesterday, and I, I say there's many of them. For me, yesterday, I heard the band playing this particular tune. I came to a hard stop. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, we're going to take, take a quick break. Um, Gru, my regular producer, is off today, bailing on a Friday. Jordan's been doing a double shift, both the Steve Scafidi show and mine. I'm going to give him a chance to line up the calls, and then when we come back, we're going to try to get to as many calls as we possibly can. My advice is for this segment, um, always call quickly because our phone lines tend to jam up and go with your first instincts. All right, what's that song that comes to mind when I say it's the song that makes you stop? Back with more from the Wisconsin State Fair in just a moment. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner, sponsored by New Femme Rejuvenation Clinic. Now back to Take Your Calls. Here's Jeff Wagner. All right, our text line exploding. The uh, the category is the song that make just makes you stop. And there's a lot of that going on at the state fair. You walk by and you hear, and that happened to me yesterday. I heard the song. I'm I just had to stop and I had to listen. Let's see, what a wonderful world by Louis Armstrong, Blackbird by the Beatles, even though it was all in just Sir Paul, Islands in the Stream by Dolly and Kenny. What a great song. 
Uh, friends in low places. <laughs> there you go. You gotta love that. Um, just walk away, away, Renee. Okay, 414-799-1620. Let's start with, uh, Renee in New Berlin. Renee, you're first. Good afternoon. Hello, Jeff. Um, Hi, Renee. under the boardwalk by the drifters. Under the boardwalk. Does it take you, is that one that just takes you back to a certain time and place? Oh, my gosh. The, the very first time I heard it was the day that they stepped foot on the moon. It was we were up north with a bunch of families, and uh, this other girl with the same name I have, we were playing bumper pool in the bar up there. <laughs> and all, all of a sudden that song came on, and I just fell in love with it. And it became one of those that every summer it just, Gave me such good memories. Well, that, that's the whole that's the whole idea behind that. Okay, thanks for the call, Renee. I appreciate. It. Gotta love under the boardwalk. Four one four seven nine nine one six two zero. Diane in Burlington. Hi, Diane. Hello, Jeff. How are you? I am well, thank you. Okay, that song that just makes you stop. Spirit in the sky was from Norman Greenbaum. You know, it's interesting that you would mention that, Diane, because I, I'm, everybody is familiar, I think, with the song Spirit in the Sky. My guess is almost no. This lady just blew me a kiss. What a sweetheart that is. Um, okay, and you're, you're, there with, you're there with your Those are your sisters, right? <laughs> okay, no. Right. Oh, no, okay. Spirit, Diane, almost everybody would know Spirit in the Sky, the song. My guess is almost nobody would know that it was Norman Greenbaum that did that, sh- did that song. Right. One hit wonder. Yeah. Um, right. No. Th- thanks for the call. I mean, I love it too. Yeah. When I die, they lay me to rest. Going to go to a place that's the best. Yeah. Going to go up to that spirit in the sky. Richard on the east side. Richard, the song that just makes you stop. Hey Jeff, uh, I'll tell you a song. Hi Richard. Did make me stop. Uh, my mind went to a time I was walking down State Street in Madison, <clears throat> and I heard right? "All Day and All of the Night" by the Kinks. I told your screener you really got me, but it was "All Day and All of the Night." And I just stopped. By, that's track. right. That's the Kinks. Yeah, the Kinks. And I don't know where the music was coming from, but I stayed until it was done. It just felt. Um, thanks for calling. Well, no, no, that's that. See, and that's the cool thing. It's like okay, I and then you know once that song happens, then you you do that over and over again. Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hey Jeff, how you doing? Very um, well, thank you. Okay, the song that when you hear it, it just makes you stop. Well, actually, it, it happened at uh, at. at State Fair, one of the stages, stages they were doing a, a cover band was doing a, a Marshall Tucker, uh, Fire on the Mountain. It right. Like, oh. oh. It was like, it was like dead on. And I, I stopped. It was like, nope, end of in the story. In the <laughs> No, no, I, no, I, I know, and then you're, you're sitting there, right, right, absolutely, and I, man, I, I mean, I grew up with the Marshall Tucker band, I, I just, I, I love them, I love Pure Prairie League, I loved all those bands back in the day, they had some great songs as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yep. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's a lot of, it was, they have so many songs, it's, it's so, it was awesome. Fire in the Mountain would be one that would make me stop, too. Yeah, thanks for call, Dave. Let's I'm going to get as many as we can. Uh, John in Waterford. John, you're on WTMJ. Against the Wind by Bob Seger. You done? Well, you know, i got to tell you. Go ahead. i gotta, I got to tell you, almost anything by Bob Seger um, is going to make me stop, whether it's the hard rock stuff or whether it's Night Moves or yeah, Against the Wind or old-time rock and roll. Almost any of those Seger songs are just going to make me stop. They're still the same. Did you see the concert when he was in Milwaukee, Jeff? 
I did not. Nope, I did not. Was it? I heard good things about it. Oh my God! It was. It, I think it was one of his best concerts, and I've been to probably a half a dozen, maybe more. My wife and I. It uh, was a killer. God. It really was. Is it? Yeah, I. I haven't seen Bob Seger. In, thanks for call. I haven't seen Bob Seger in years. I know he's cutting back his touring, if not getting ready to stop. Okay, here's here would be another one that I would fit in the category on the text. Werewolves of London by Warren. Uh, by Warren Zevon. Yep. Um, yes. There's a there's a lot of there's a lot of Warren Zevon songs that I absolutely love. But yes, here's another text: "Piano Man" by Billy Joel. That you have to stop. Yep, that works for me too. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Here's a text: "Don't Stop" by Fleetwood Mac. Upbeat, optimistic, sound life advice. I can't resist. You know, I'll tell you another Fleetwood Mac song that that does that to me is uh, is "Landslide." Uh, just I I just I think that's just such a beautiful song. Okay, Sharon in Delafield. Sharon, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. It's got to be Wolf Mountain by Claude King. Okay, you're, go- you're you're dating yourself a little bit there, Miss Sharon. Oh, did you hear me? <laughs> yeah, I heard you said Wolverton Mountain. I said you're dating yourself just a little bit. Oh, oh, oh I didn't hear that. <laughs> yeah, I am. It was a great time, and my husband actually recorded it. He put it on DVD. Uh, or I mean the CD, uh, where it plays over and over. <laughs> oh, okay. So you've got it like kind of on a loop because you—that's one that you. Not only does it make you stop, but yeah. you never get tired of it, huh? That's <laughs> so cool. That's so cool, yeah. Sharon. A- absolutely, Sharon. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Um, Mike in Milwaukee. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. How's it going? I am having fun. I've got ten minutes left at the Wisconsin State Fair for at least this year, but I'll be back in 2020, I think. <laughs> Good. Uh, what, yeah, my what, song okay, is, give uh, me your song. Uh, Stairway to Heaven, Led Zeppelin. Has to be. Well, it's you can't go wrong. So, you... It's just so powerful and, you know, the instrumental and it's just awesome. Uh, yeah, you, well, you can't, right, you can't go, you can't go wrong with anything from Zeppelin, actually. Mike, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Okay, let me see. Before I turn it on, let's see. Uh, most definitely, it would be Mustang Sally. I don't recall who necessarily did the original. That's Marsha up and Brandon. Yeah, Mustang Sally. Actually, Mustang Sally, that's one that, you know, any good kind of blues rock cover band that does, can't go wrong with that at all. Let's see. Let It Be by the Beatles. Um, Sherry by Frankie Valley. Huh, all right, that's an interesting one as well. Um, all seasons in the sun. Yeah, seasons in the sun would be great. It, it's kind of interesting because you, you sometimes you just never know. Like I say, the, the song that made me stop yesterday was "You Never Call Me by My Name," and I mean. I wouldn't even say it's necessarily my favorite country song, but when I heard it, I thought, oh, gosh, that's the Steve Goodman tune. I've heard David Allen Coe do it. I wonder how this cover band's going to do it. And you know what? They did an absolutely great job with us. Okay, I'm sorry. I wish we had a little bit more time, but got to turn it over to John and to Melissa with Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Let me take a quick break. Before that, I want to say a very special thank you to everybody who came out over the course of the last several days and said hi at the Wisconsin State Fair. I want to say thanks to all our marketing and our promotion motion people for making this go as smoothly as possible. Our engineer, John Tyler, and my regular producer, Gru, and uh, Jordan, who's back at the station today, who's been doing a double shift. Thank you all for making me look good. I appreciate it quite a bit. I'm off on Monday. i got to recover from the Wisconsin State Fair, but I'll be back Tuesday at noon when we do this all again. All right, we're going to turn it over to John and Melissa in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. It's 2.54. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 
This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Again, uh, thanks to everybody uh, back at the station and here on site and everybody who stopped by our booth at State Fair for making the last several days a wonderful experience. I'm done. But that's not it for all of us. John and Melissa, you guys have a big show coming up. Yeah, we do. Boy, another gorgeous day at the Wisconsin State Fair. I mean, this is stunning outside. I was actually walking around. I was here early today. Got some stuff to eat, wandered around, and it is just breathtaking. I mean, it's beautiful out here. We've got some stuff we're going to do. We're going to head out, actually, and talk to the folks. Uh, We've just started doing it this year. So we're going to head out a couple times, Melissa and I, during the show and kind of take the pulse of how things are going out there. Also, I found this interesting. Coach Matt LaFleur Kind of, in not so many words, saying Lambeau Field is too quiet. I don't know if you saw this. Oh, we talked about it. We got the reaction Ooh. to the foghorn. Um, yes. It was not yes. positive. Let me just say that. I, I mean, I admit yeah. I primed the pump by saying I thought it sucked. And then we kind of, yes, it, it, not too many supporters. Yeah, so we're going to play that sound from the coach. and we'll Whatever happened to Go Fox Go? Go Pack Go. Yeah, what I mean, did happen? Go Pack Go. Yeah. I mean, what, what you, and the don't they still do that? Echo. No, they don't do that anymore? Well, no, they're doing this foghorn thing. Yeah. Why? Why? Is that like weird. a Tampa Bay thing? Why are we yeah. doing no, that? No, like, it's like a ripoff of the Vikings. Yeah. Horn, but it's not, oh, and it hates me that. to say this, no, but it's not even like as it. good. I hate to say it. It's not I even as good that. as the Vikings thing.